When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. holidays action fanatics welcome to a very special edition of the bulletproof podcast chris the brain chad cruz and ryan campbell with you and gentlemen this past friday we were a part of the second annual geekscape holiday live stream tacular a benefit for big brothers and big sisters and we talked chad about our favorite diehard clones yeah, we got a chance to talk about something that we normally just discuss among ourselves. So uh, it, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we got to help a, a great cause. So it's rare that you get to do something you love and help people at the same time. So this was a, this was perfect opportunity for us. Yeah, it was it was exciting to be asked to participate again. Two, two years they've been doing it. Two years we've been there. That's always fun. But it's it's always cool when geeking out and nerding out and doing the kind of stuff that we typically always do you get to do actually for a good cause and you get to kind of you know feel good about yourself for a little bit so it was it was nice and i appreciate them asking us to come back and pitch in again and for those of you who maybe missed that uh live stream tacular that's going to be a big piece of this episode of the bulletproof podcast we are going to share that audio with you um and then uh afterwards though guys we're going to do a little bonus for those people listening to us on Spotify, listening to us on Stitcher, listening to us on iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to us. We want to give you a little holiday gift, a little, a little bonus. Putting in the work for our loyal Bulletproof Podcast listeners. Absolutely. So without further ado, we're going to throw it over to ourselves and our Die Hard Clones conversation. And we'll be back after with some bonus material for you. So, yeah, this is it. We're in the opening spot here. And you know what? It is, again, the holiday season. That's why we're doing this special. Uh, you know, That's why we're doing a benefit. I mean, it, it's, it's right. a season of giving. And uh, it's also, though, in action movie context, diehard season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the... Uh... It's the question that gets asked every year around this time. Um, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I think that we've all answered it at one point or another. And we have said that, yes, absolutely. It is a Christmas movie. And yeah. not only is it a Christmas movie, it's probably the best Christmas movie. And over the years, I mean, how many? it's been out 30 plus years now. It has spawned so many 
excellent knockoffs and we just can't stop talking about them. Yeah. I think that's the focus of what we're, what we're looking at today is not just how influential it was and that Christmas is kind of what brings it all up, but just how genre defining there's a whole, a whole sub genre of action mm-hmm. all from this one movie. And, uh, I mean, we've done deeper dives before on podcasts about just Die Hard or, or the sequels and stuff like that, but um, not enough can be said for how it just redefined the action genre and kind of a format that's still going on to today. Absolutely. So yeah, this is it. Our part of the second annual Geekscape holiday live stream tacular. We're going to talk about Die Hard clones. And, uh, l- you know, uh, the, Let's say it first. The best I Clone Wars shirt, just for oh, <laughs> amazing, amazing, right? That's brilliant. Um, you see, that's the type of detail you're going to get with Sorry. some some people. I, I, you know, that is one of the best things you've done, Ryan Campbell. <laughs> yes, I think since you've been a part of this this uh, I try podcast, this website, Bulletproof Action. We, we go video. I go the extra mile. That, that's that's what I like. My that shirt is, is what red, I like. By the way, your your shirt is red. I've got red. the Bulletproof Podcast T-shirt on. I got the Christmas behind me. You've got American yeah. Ninja behind you. You got Boba Fett because yeah. you're our He's a clone. He is also. Hey. Yes. So here we go. Spoiler alert. I mean, this is again. I'm like in heaven right now because I, you know me, I'm a stickler for the details sometimes, and these are great details. But let's get into it. That's right. Die Hard clones. Number one, before this one's not on the list that we've kind of put together, but let's say we're already going off list. Exactly. (laughs) Let's say this. And we did a whole episode on this one. The best Die Hard clone of them all was Die Hard 2. Well, it's a it's an offspring of Die Hard. I don't know if it's a clone. I mean, it is essentially a, a, a movie. It's, that, he's, it's a repeating the scenario. Ba- it's the, the same scenario. scenario. Right. Uh, different location, different environment, uh, new villains. Everything is, mm-hmm. is pretty much exactly the same. All these villains have, uh, you know, similar motivations and they're all very violent. And you know, all the things are there from the first film. But I see it more of as like, this is a child of Die Hard, just like all the right. other Die Hard. You know, it's a sequel, of course, but it doesn't. It doesn't like uh, try to replace the format. It just is the same. It just continues it's on. Ju- it's just how how does the same shit happen to yeah. the same guy twice? He's on yeah, and, and it's allowed to. I mean, it's it's own. Oh spot. yeah. If anyone's going to be able to be a clone of Die right. Hard, it would be one of its sequels. Do we need yeah. to take a minute and lay out what we think is the criteria to make something a Die Hard clone? I, I mean, think it doesn't, have, it doesn't necessarily have to hit every single mark, but what are some of like the main ones? For I you think, guys? yeah, I think if we, if we were before we get into it, you know, obviously you have to be, uh, there has to be a elaborate plan of some sort by the bad guys mm-hmm. okay. that has every little detail. Again, we're talking details and I love them. every little detail figured out, but then there's a fly in the ointment. So you need a well laid plan by the villains and a fly in the ointment. That's, mm-hmm. I think, the okay. biggest, uh, biggest piece of it. I think one of mine is definitely the events need to take place within like one day, or you know, we right. don't. There's no cutaways. Like we, we start the movie at the, you know, right at the start of the shenanigans, and we pretty much go through. There's not like multiple days or anything like that. Like we pretty much feel like we spend two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, or whatever, and that whole event takes place within the time that we're watching the movie. I mean, that's one. Of, that's a big one for me because I always I like that that format. Yeah, I think that the uh, location is big. Like the time, like you said, one, one single day or four hours or whatever, and the location. You know, are we, we going to put 
you know, Die Hard is, uh, it takes place in a building, you know, in the Nakatomi building. So you've got it all in one singular location, even though it's different rooms and such, but it's one building. So as we see throughout these Die Hard clones, they're all essentially Die Hard at a different location. And, but I think that, uh, like Bray was saying, an elaborate plan by a diverse group of villains, you've got a lone hero and that may change, you know, as we go over these clones, there may be, there may be some of these films we talk about where it's not just one hero, but, uh, the lone hero stuck in a singular location against the wall who just won't die. And that's kind of, that's kind of my criteria. Yeah, I think we covered it. So let's get into it. Our favorite diehard clones, and I will start us off, and it's Bulletproof Action. And, you know, if, if we had the four pillars of Bulletproof Action. Me? All right. I'm, I'm talking about the action the stars. Count, the bus. You walk into uh, the lobbies of Bulletproof Action, okay? Right. It's it's like, it, it's very, the whole building's 80s looking anyway already. Right. But there's, there are four statues of well-cut marble that are positioned around the room. Yeah, not not you, Chad. I'm trying to create a picture. I'm talking about the one and the only Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I think this is without a doubt. The butt cheeks on his statue, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They really are. So polished. So polished. Right. The sheen. Yeah, you could see your face in them. Uh, What? Wait a minute. Uh, So anyway, yeah, my favorite Die Hard clone released December 22nd, 1995. Sudden Death. It is Die Hard at a hockey arena. And yes, it is. It is awesome. Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, you, uh, you, he's a firefighter. So this one that also has to ring very close mm-hmm. to your heart, Chad. Crew. Yeah, it was Fire Marshal. Is that what he was? I believe. He became, yeah, he was a fire firefighter. Marshall. They start the movie yeah. off. He has a traumatic experience. A, a child dies in the fire. He yeah. couldn't save him. Right. So he stays kind of in the fire. Mm-hmm. game but he's not an active firefighter he's kind of the guy the right. fireman checking Do, checking he's doing inspections right? right you know there's and there's nothing uh less exciting than than doing fire inspections i will tell you that but uh but it gives us a perfect opportunity to have a uh, a character who has uh demons if you will right um and, and we, we can put him in a position to where it's just another day at the office kind of situation. He's not there doing inspections. He's there with his kids, but he, he has these demons and he has something to look back upon uh, when he's, when he's thrust into action. So, I mean, it, it makes the character that much more likable too, as well. And, and Ryan, you, you brought it up, Ryan, these, these movies have to have a time frame, And this is a specific game of the Stanley cup playoff. I think it's the final game. And, uh, you know, so we already have that. So you have the game clock that kind of goes along with what Jean-Claude's character has to do throughout the movie. And that, you know, just that, that sense of urgency is there right from the start. Right. Oh yeah. And one aspect of it too. And for most of the movie, the idea that the people that are in danger have no idea what's going on. Right. I think that gives another element to this one that I, I think is really cool is, is, you know, the idea that you could be at a hockey game, having the time of your life, you know, just, you know, have, having that moment, drinking a few beers, having fun. And you don't even know that, that behind the scenes, you know, John Claude Van Damme is trying to <laughs> save you from being blown up. Like I, I, I remember watching that movie as a kid. A lot of these, as I was younger, I would walk in the room and my dad may be watching them or they're on the TV. And I remember thinking that this one was just like the concept and the setting was just super cool. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it, like the stakes, how how much higher they were than at Die Hard. Like there was what thirty yeah. some people at the, right. the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. There's like fifteen thousand yeah. at this hockey yeah. arena. So yeah, not, it's like, and not to mention the politicians and his own children. You know what I mean? If his kids right. aren't there, it doesn't have that same feeling to it. So you know, you you throw his his young children there, and they even get uh, you know abducted at some point themselves. So it's like everything yeah. is is kind of set up. Not for him to escape with his kids, but for him to be the hero, to become the hero. So. Yeah, his daughter is in the thick of it. Uh, you mentioned the politicians. Raymond J. Barry plays the vice president, and he's basically the big target. But you have other, I think the mayor of Pittsburgh is there and, and other dignitaries. Um, and, the, and let's talk about the baddie in this one. Powers Booth. What Powers an Booth. amazing, amazing actor. Um, Powers Booth. Whether he's a villain or a hero, Chad, he, he yeah. always delivers. He always brings it, and, and he's one of those guys who you don't really remember him from one singular film. He's not a guy who had his own, you know, uh, he didn't have like his own six film series or something like that. Right. But you remember him when you see him, like, oh yeah, he was great in this, he was great in that, he was good in this, like, because because he was he every time he was on screen, he essentially stole the scene. So yeah, and he does it yeah. again in this one, and he's and this is another film where Jean Claude Van Damme gets. Uh, lucky in the way that he always had great villains to work against. So it's perfect for him. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, you know, Ryan, when you mentioned being a kid and kind of walking in when your dad's what this one is one of the more family friendly Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, you know, <laughs> minus all the killing, but you yes. don't have the, the usual. What's yeah. a few killing among friends, you know, you don't have the <laughs> usual ass cheeks. You don't have the romance because there's really no time for romance when you have a situation like this. And that's, I think right. that's another common thing in the, the diehard clone, you know, there's, there's no time for love. Dr. Jones, basically right. you, you got to get to it. You you're, you're under the gun there. And let's talk about some of the, you know, I think probably one of the most memorable or two of the most memorable scenes. Number one, Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Icy the mascot. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That always stuck out to me. And then of course, where Van Damme finds himself in the goalie box unwittingly and right. sweating bullets Probably the most nervous. He's disarming bombs. I don't think he was more f- afraid than when he was on that ice and, you know, could have cost the, the team the game, but he, he came through. And those splits so, never, that never made more sense than, you know, he's got the, right. the flexibility to be a goalie because of those splits. Probably. It's definitely one of those films that I wish I could be like in the, in the meeting room when they pitched the, the film or they're yeah. like, all right, guys, we got this terrorist plot that's happening during a hockey game, and our hero ends up in the goalie net. Like, <laughs> it's like I, I just—I know the whole pitch meeting thing has kind of killed that that ran that into the ground, but uh, I just would love to be a fly on the wall when they were when they were uh, okay and green lighting that one. And just a little uh, fun fact to uh, link sudden death to my hometown of Cleveland. It was actually the Cleveland Lumberjacks who played. The Pittsburgh Never Penguins. They Never were like they were like a uh, I don't know, somewhere. Like, someone is going to be like at their local bar on a trivia night, and that question is going to get yeah. asked, and they're going to know it because they listen to this podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> we just got you the, uh, a free drink or like a free appetizer, a voucher or something. Yeah, <laughs> we're here to serve. All right, Chad Cruz, your favorite yeah. diehard clone. Let's get to it. Yeah, and, and this was a tough one because there are so many great ones, but uh, I had to go with a little film released October 9th, 1992. It is called uh, yeah. Under Siege. Under Siege. Under the Siege. one thing I remember Steven about Seagal. this, 
is a cake scene. Uh, and I really can't remember much else. Yeah. And I, don't, good... I, I don't know why. <laughs> it, it, it's strange how that happens, especially when you watch it, when you're, you know, in that, in those formative years, uh, as I was, I, I was probably, I don't know, nine or so when I saw it for the Ryan, first time. I'm sure you, what was my age? Give it up. Yeah, age, 28, yeah. probably 29. Oh. Okay, but uh, that might actually be actually that's probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, under siege. Usually, film, usually I'm about 56 and it's 1983. So yeah, I, I appreciate true. that. I appreciate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hey, it's Christmas time, right? Thank you, sir. I'm trying to help you out here. So under under siege kind of adopts that that same format from Die Hard for me because it it, it stays with that singular location. It stays on a uh, submarine. Um, we have a, a not a lone hero, but we have he begins. He starts the, the film as a lone hero. Uh, who is also kind of this absolute ultimate badass who is almost retired from being a badass. You know, he's a chef now. He was a Navy SEAL. Now he's a chef, much like Van Damme was a firefighter who became a fire marshal. Um, so he's, he's kind of like out, been out of the game for a minute, but he's still got all his, all his own skills. They're all, all the old tricks that he had. So we got him there. We got amazing villains. Uh, I mean, the, the movie really has kind of every – piece that you're looking for in an action film and it's probably i don't know it's definitely a top 20 film for me all time so i had to put it as my number one diehard clone and i would have to say i mean definitely box office wise but i just think in general probably steven seagal's greatest film yeah i think definitely i i as someone who missed steven seagal's kind of prime and by the time i started kind of watching more of his films he was a little bit already a character of himself and to kind of yeah. what we have now. But um, either I remember actually the sequel of under siege, maybe uh, the under siege on a train. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that one more vividly than the original, but, yeah. but that was for me, that was like when he was peak uh, who Steven Seagal was as, a, you know, while some of those, some of those actors we, we have here found new life and stayed relevant. Steven's kind of, you know, his, his story has been a little bit different, but that was like his, his prime. Yeah. And he, again, able to work against, you know, Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones. Like there are so many great actors in this film that work opposite him. And you mentioned the uh, Erica Aliniak scene where she comes out of the cake. Yes. Uh, she's what well, she's a play. She's a playboy playmate at the, yeah. at the time and in the film. And uh, I mean, there were so many eyes glued to the scene there. I mean, I know this is a, a, a charity benefit program, but right. Wow. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, it's a, so it's an incredible scene and, and the, the way that she, her character plays off of Steven Seagal, I think it's just remarkable. So, and you, you mentioned under siege too, it probably feels more like a diehard clone just because it, it is, it's all on a train and there's less, uh, there's less of like a cast of characters working with Steven Skull's character. So it, it really feels like a lone kind of soldier against all the bad like guys. Yeah. He's a man on his own. And that yeah. one. So that one feels like more of a clone, but it's definitely not as good as the original. All right. Well, Ryan Campbell, you had a little one uh, kind of outside the box. Like this is not one that came into my mind. I don't even know, know if I knew this movie existed. And I know Chad, you were a little shocked when you uh, saw yeah. this one on the list. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, I wouldn't say this is my favorite, but this is just one that was on my list and we got it here on our, on our list. But, uh, and it was one that like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I had to kind of do some Google searching to find out what the name of it was. But when we thought about <laughs> the, the, I had to think like, Oh yeah, what's that movie where Guy Pierce is pretty much 
die hard on a space station and it's like a prison and i found it it was lockout it came out april 13th of 2012 and yes guy pierce is like a uh it's a little bit different from the die hard is that he actually uh goes into the situation willingly he doesn't kind of find himself in there but he's kind of forced into it he he's got some debts to pay or he's got some things and, and if he does this one solid for the president as his daughter is now trapped in this you know space station ultra max prison yeah then then it, the the slate is wiped clean so he goes in by himself no help and essentially this prison is broken out into all hell and he has to rescue the president's daughter so some elements are are very diehard-esque um some i gotta stretch it a little bit uh but i wanted to go off the books as, as you know we were we were we were doing like a, a throwing a lot of them out there and that was one that like, again i i really enjoyed the movie and I feel like it was ahead of we we've done Die Hard in Space like ten or twelve times now, and I feel like it was like one of the first ones to kind of play with that concept. And I'm the sci-fi nerd, so I just remember like really digging that movie. I don't even think I was uh, when I first saw it. I don't I'm not even sure I was writing for the site yet. But if I if I did the review, I'll have to go look. But um, it was definitely one that stuck out to me. I don't even know how I came across watching it back in when it came out, but I thought it was really cool. And it. As soon as I started thinking of diehard clones, that just popped into my head, so I had to find it. You definitely did not write about it, so feel free anytime. All right, I'm gonna have to go back and do that one. If you do a rewatch, we'll always accept a a, a great review or whatever you do. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, Mm. thank you. Observations. Mm. Chad Cruz, you have anything to say about Lockout? Because I've never seen it. I'm locked out of this one. Lockout. I mean, you know it absolutely fits the criteria for for this for this episode you know it's got that lone guy in, in space at the space penitentiary and he's super badass uh guy pierce is awesome in it he, i think by far that's my favorite thing about the film is guy pierce because mm-hmm. he plays the role so well uh my only problem and if you read my article uh i think i've written about it at least one time but if you read it uh is i'm pretty sure luke Basson got sued for this movie because uh John Carpenter escaped from New York. This film is like a complete scene for scene remake of escape from New York. I mean, you got like this, this criminal dude, the government sends him into space instead of New York. So it's, it's like so similar. I think Luke Besson actually got sued for it, but uh, for our purposes, it fits perfectly with the diehard clone. And uh, I think it's a great pick. I didn't even think about it until, until brain had sent me the list and I said, Oh yeah, that would work. And I have no idea why it was literally one of the first ones to pop in my head, but it was. <laughs> and it's got, a, it's also got some awesome villains in it. I can't remember who all said it. But it's got it, some uh, good kills in it too. Yeah. Some pretty creative kills. It was Peter. So if you haven't checked it out, it's Stormari worth Stormari one of the uh, villains? Yes. Oh, the Peter, guy who, Russian, saying. German, whatever he is, he's yeah, always playing yeah. like the he's Russian actually, dudes. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome in it. And there's a couple Irish guys that play some other criminals in it that are yep. super good. Maggie Grace plays the president's daughter. Yep. Uh, so it's got some names in it. So it's good. All right. Well, I may have to uh, track that one down since uh, I'm the only one here who hasn't seen it, but I've what got a, one. That's rare. Movie. We talk about a movie in here that you haven't seen. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the positive. That's, yeah. That's you know, that happened last year on when we did the uh, first annual Geekscape holiday live stream mm-hmm. tacular. And I, and I learned all about the long kiss. Good night. Yeah, and how I needed to see it, and I watched it. And we just actually covered that on our previous episode, so check out the archives, people. Bulletproof Podcast. Uh, I've got one that may, I don't think either of you guys have seen, but it's definitely on my list. This one came out October eleventh, nineteen ninety one. The Taking of Beverly Hills. Never seen it. Nope. 
So this one, a very interesting one. This is one of those ones that I remember like seeing at the video store and never really doing anything about it. It was like, okay, whatever. I'm on a, cause it's Ken wall is the star. And, and I think he's kind of a, maybe an unsung hero. He's done a lot of action stuff, you know, in his, when he was acting, he's kind of gotten away from that. But in the eighties, um, probably best known for when he got on TV on, on wise guy, but yeah, it's got Ken wall, Matt Frewer, who people of the eighties will remember as Max headroom. Okay. And, and the mm-hmm. villain, Robert Davi. Okay. Classic. So basically the gist of this one is, you know, Robert Davi has these crooked cops and they're all what they, they, they have this tanker truck, have an accident an accident and oh there's a big gas leak or chemical leak out of this so they got to evacuate beverly hills because they're they've got some painting they want to steal or some big thing so what they don't realize is our star quarterback football player was in one of the houses and they thought they cleared all the houses but he's there the flying the ointment he's the flying all right matt frewer was part of this whole conspiracy but he has a come to Jesus moment where he's like, oh, wait a minute, we're, we're, this is, I didn't sign up for all of this. So he kind of becomes the sidekick. Uh, you got Branscombe Richmond in this thing who we've seen in a bazillion movies. Yeah. But this is, I think perhaps his biggest role because he's like one of the main bad guys. He's in this tank thing. They're rolling through buildings and houses and fences. And I think it ends up in a swimming pool there. It's just chaotic. I mean, it is, it's, you know, it's obviously a bigger, you know, it's not just Nakatomi plot. It's basically all of Beverly Hills. They're just running rough shot through. And the thing that got me again, because I don't remember this hearing about it being in the theaters. So it has like quite a soundtrack to it, like an epic soundtrack. And when I say epic soundtrack, I'm talking epic faith. No more. You got Janet Jackson in there. You got like mainstream artists, Tony, 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 for heaven's sake. They were awesome back in the day. Uh, And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, to me, this was more like a PM entertainment level movie and PM entertainment level movies did not have the the amount of carnage this thing had or this like licensed music. But it was just one of those movies that was like Hollywood politics and it got shuffled around. And I think it actually was supposed to come out earlier to capitalize on Die Hard coming, you know, from just get like, it would have been one of the first to get that diehard clone, but it just sat on a shelf somewhere. And I think may have changed hands in between. So probably why a lot of people don't, don't know about it. When you mentioned it to me, I was thinking of the Frank Stallone movie. No. Can you remind me what that one is? I think that one is like terror in Beverly Hills. Okay. That was the, that was my thought in my head. Cause I've seen enough of that to know that it ain't my jam. Uh, That's right. (laughs) And I thought that's what you were talking about. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah great. Getting Frank Stallone on here somehow, whatever you got to do. But uh, yeah, so you really sold it. You sold me on this film. I've never seen it. So that sounds great. Yeah, and it, it is on Blu-ray. So maybe you want to ask Santa send, for it. Send it's in the cycle. Yeah. It, it hasn't been locked in an archive somewhere. Yeah, it, it's on, it may still be on, I think I originally saw it on YouTube. Uh, so it might still be there if it hasn't hmm. been taken down, but yeah. Or it's been shuffled around to either Tubi or IMDb yeah. TV or somewhere for free. So yeah. I am a, yeah, th- that was like, I was sold on it. I, like, again, it just, it took me by surprise. And uh, yeah. So if you've never seen the taking of Beverly Hills, people track it down. It's it's worth a watch for sure. Right. And and I just mentioned a man. Uh, I just mentioned Frank Stallone. And now I want to talk about his brother, uh, a little more famous brother. Just a uh, bit. 
I'm talking about <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and, right. and one of my favorite films of his that isn't Rocky or Rambo, and that is Cliffhanger. Yeah, so it that came was out, on my list too. Came out. Is it really? So that's perfect. Yeah. It's it's a great mm-hmm. diehard clone, a diehard knockoff, however you want to put it. Um, and, and it stars just an amazing cast. You got John Lithgow. You got Michael Rooker, Janine Turner, who I think is absolutely adorable in this film. I've, I know I've written about her a couple of times. Oh, but, we've uh, talked about, yeah, we've, we've talked, talked about, about her yeah. when yeah. we did our well, Stallone countdown. Yeah. Yes, that's true. She, she's, uh, she was on, what was that? Northern Exposure, that television show. Uh, Ryan, you've probably not seen that one. I remember. remember Do you remember that one? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, this, this thing's got an amazing cast. The, just the environment, the visuals, the landscape is, is incredible. And, and, and much like the the Beverly Hills film, it doesn't take place in one central location, but you could just say "Die Hard on a Mountain" and you would yeah. be you'd be accurate. I also think John Lithgow, and this is probably maybe the closest we have to Hans Gruber. I mean, he's pretty darn close to Hans Gruber in this. Yeah, uh, just the way that he operates and the way he treats it. He's got his squad of cronies and everything, and his master plan. And in the end, it's really just all kind of a theft kind of thing. But this is this one that was like it's very tense. I don't know yeah. if it's just the way people are with heights or cliff, you know, cliff or rock climbing or just the whole thing. And, and uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite Stallone films. Cause it's just so different than kind of what he was doing at the time. But I think you get sucked in from the very beginning. Like you said, there's the, the, uh, the tension that comes with being so high up and the, the, the way that they filmed uh, Rennie Harlan made this one as well. Um, the way they filmed with the camera angles and stuff. I mean, there are moments where you're like, holy shit, they're going to fall off this mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, you know, the, the crazy stunt with the plane. And you also have kind of the, uh, the, the always present uh, fear of freezing to death because it, you know, at different times throughout the film, still loses his jacket. And that always kind of reminded me of uh, John McClane, not having his shoes is, you know, he's, he's walking across ice or walking across mm-hmm. glass and his feet are all busted up. And now you have Stallone just in a t-shirt climbing a freaking mountain. So it was always kind of a similar uh, feel to me from that. Like film. that nothing can go right for this guy. Can he and, just catch a break? And that's how, I mean, the best clones, I think of, of diehard get it right in the way that anything that could go wrong goes wrong in the film. And it's just mm-hmm. so, you know, the right guy, wrong place wrong time you know he just kind of gets stuck in the spot and he's the only person who's got a miserable enough life that he can actually fix the stuff so also i know we've talked about this before when we've done the countdown but michael rourke is almost insufferable in this film (laughs) is i just think of the end the very end of the movie where he's just screaming at the top of his lungs for nonstop. you're like dude chill out calm down yeah get him a lozenger Isn't there a, a famous press slam moment in this uh, this movie? Yeah, there is. Uh, that's <laughs> when he's he's fighting against uh, Leon in the uh, oh in yeah the Leon. He's fucking that guy up in the caves. He just gives him the old gorilla press slam right into the uh, giant. There you go. Which one goes up and which one goes down? I don't it's remember. a it's a pointy thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And he jams him right in up into that. Which I I will say that I. I've thought for the last 10 years or so, maybe 12 years that I had the record for the highest gorilla press slam in the world. And I have picture evidence of this as well, uh, of me gorilla pressing a person on type of uh, Pike's peak, which is over 14,000 feet high. But I know I was over 14,000 feet high. I don't know if Stallone filmed that scene over 14,000 feet high. So I may still have the record. 
I should call Guinness. Yeah, we're gonna have to consult with Guinness on this. Yeah. You should you should tweet the uh, picture to Stallone, and maybe he'll uh, respond to you. You think so? Uh, it's worth I, a try. I doubt it. <laughs> it's worth a try. All right. Well, Brian Campbell, another one on your list. Yeah, I mean, we've done, we've talked about Die Hard on a Train. We've talked about uh, on, you know, in an airport. We've talked about on a mountain. Let's take this thing to the White House. And that's going to be with Gerard Butler and Olympus Has Fallen, uh, March 22nd, 2013. Um, fits, all, fits all the criteria. It's, it's in the People's House. Uh, Gerard Butler, ex-Secret uh, Service. And uh, again, perfect wrong place at the wrong time, not meant to be there that day. You know, I'm not even supposed to work here, be working today, but, um, and then it all just goes South, very elaborate plan from terrorist organization, you know, but it's all happened in the white house. Um, definitely superior to, um, white house, down. white house down, white house down. Yep. Very superior to that. Much better. Didn't have Jamie Foxx or Channing Tatum, but I'll take Gerard Butler any day in that film. But, um, yep. Really good. Um, one of the the kind of weirdest castings for a president in Aaron Eckhart, but it worked. Uh, I really enjoy the film, though the action, the explosions. I mean, it's definitely what what you have to have in a Die Hard is there has to be in a Die Hard clone. with those moments where you're looking on screen and things are exploding. It's so loud, and you're just like, "Holy crap!" There's a lot of stuff blowing up, and th- this does it. That house is a wreck by the time it's over. Yeah, and it never hurts to have Morgan Freeman in your movie either. Yeah. You know, he, he brings some gravitas and you, you brought it up to the superior to white house down, you know? Yeah. This is one of those, you know, every once in a while in Hollywood, we get these, mm-hmm. these movies that come, for out, it. that come out at the same time you, yeah. and you have, you, so yeah, I, I, you, you when Canon, when Menachem and Yoram had their split, we had dueling Lombada movies, <laughs> but years before that, 1984, to be exact, we had breakdancing movies. Must beat Beat Street. Breakin' and Beat Street were both coming out. (laughs) But Menachem Golan, as Ryan just said, famously said, we must beat Beat Street. And in fact, Cannon got their movie out first. And in fact, Cannon drew more at the box office. So much that by the end of the year, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo was out. Oh, if he did, if he doesn't get that out before Beat Street, do we never get Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo? We probably wouldn't like, have. That is the no. darkest timeline right there. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. But yeah, I remember. And you know what? It was kind of convenient because it was around Christmas time. I remember being on Christmas break, going to see Electric Boogaloo, my own one and only canon movie that I saw in the theater, which is ridiculous and crazy at the same time. But I love it. But there could probably be some fan fiction written out there for, you know, the alternate timeline where Beach Street comes out first. You know, you always get like the what if the Confederacy won the Civil War? You know? <laughs> like, what if Beach Street had come out three weeks early? Like, oh, my There's going to be a, a Man in the High Castle like Hulu series <laughs> yeah. about if, if Beach Street had came out first. You know, another one we really could talk about 1986. We had Iron Eagle and Top Gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they, they kind of got iron. They weren't too close. It was like beginning in the middle of the year, but still. Yeah. It we just, can do a whole podcast on those Armageddon right. and deep impact. Yeah. And, Oh you yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah that, we, I'd say there's a reason that those happen. You know, there's people, there's probably someone, someone's ear to the door 
on, yep. on certain studios. Scripts, writers get kicked off of projects, scripts right. get leaked, things get taken to other studios. And yeah. we had a, a Bugs Life and Ants came out the same year. That yeah. was one. Of, that's a popular one too. But yeah, it's a, it happens quite often. There's Avengers and Ass Avengers. That's a different kind of thing, but yes. Yeah, I don't know if, if the movies you're talking about, or even the Asylum movies, uh, really count as uh, I think they're That's doing true. that on they're doing that on purpose. It's not just yeah. a it's not a competition. It's like, oh, that's doing well, or we expect that to do well. Let's yeah. have the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's like if you go on Tubi, there's probably 17 different Thor movies, and right. uh, none of them are Marvel films. You know what I mean? They're some like, are Richard- based on the, the the Norse god Thor, not the comic yeah. book guy. Or they clearly yeah. try to make like the DVD cover look like it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, the one with Richard Grieco as Loki is not part of the MCU. Just, just so you know, no just way. He is he is not a Loki variant. Richard but. Grieco, my God, <laughs> I can't even I can't think of him without thinking of Night the Roxbury. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, anything you want to add about Olympus Has Fallen, Chad? Oh, I love it. I think it's a great movie. I, I love the location of it. I think that, you know, we, we've done, we've seen Die Hard in every possible place, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, you know, sub submarines and malls and schools and everything. And why not put it at the White House? You know, the place with the, the maximum amount of security possible and boom, it's just drops like that. So uh, yeah, it's an awesome, awesome film. Gerard Butler kind of, uh, placed himself into that upper echelon of kind of present day action stars. I think you yeah, know, he wrote, he wrote that one for a while after oh, that. He may still be writing. I don't know. Like those and, you know, Den of Thieves, like all these movies that he's done since then. Uh, I think that they all kind of uh, coast off of that, you know, that momentum that he built with this series. So yeah, I think it's an awesome film. And yeah. And another proof that this one's better than White House Town. I don't know if I got to this before. I know I did. It just, it's continued. It's become a franchise. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that tells you the success. We have, didn't have White House down again or anything. Also, White, the down. White House is still down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's no, you know, one of the, one of the biggest problems with White House is down or White House down uh, is the kid, right? You put a kid in your movie and you're like, oh, it's hard for that to work in a, in a hardcore action film where people's heads are just getting exploded everywhere. And uh, they put the kid in. It's super annoying and you can't stand her. Uh, Olympus has fallen. There's no, there's no kid. There's only destruction. Only destruction. Indeed. Chad Cruz. This is one when, you know, I would, it wasn't even thinking about it. And then you brought yeah. this one up. What right. a great one. Yeah. This is a great one. April 26th, uh, 1991 toy soldiers. Oh. It doesn't quite fit the criteria that I laid out earlier with the lone hero, but it, it fits enough that I'm going to slide it into this, this episode. Uh, with the diehard clones, you know, you've got Sean Astin who, who was made famous in Rudy. And then later, of course, Lord of the Rings, um, Lewis Gossett Jr. I mean, he's mm. just, uh, he's just Chappy so Sinclair himself. He's just so incredible in this role as the, uh, the principal. What's his, he's, isn't he like the headmaster? He's the headmaster oh, of this bad, private yeah. school. You've got Will Wheaton of, of Star Trek fame. Um, it, it's just a, it's a great film. It's, uh, Die Hard in a private school. How about that? Yeah. Um, so you know you got the terrorists that take over the private school and they hold these these rich kids, uh, well, rich families' kids hostage, uh, and they're they're looking to get some of their uh, comrades in arms released from prison. 
and you know you got explosives laced throughout the building you've got snipers on the roof with rpgs and it's just like it's a perfect setup there's awesome tension there's they're teenagers too so you're not expecting them to you know bust out right. two uzis and just go to town on everybody so right. there's a different element there as well so they have to use their their guile and their teamwork and it, it just it's so much fun and I, yeah, and us, I, us 90s kids were obsessed with being like adolescents that could beat up adults. Yeah. We oh, had yeah. like three ninjas and, and all these other films yeah. where we're like, I may be 65 pounds, <laughs> but I could take out a giant thug. And Sean yeah, Aston has never grown into an adult body. Right. Oh, so no, he still has it. Still, uh, he's grown out, not up. Uh, it's true. So, yeah, and I think that's the point, too. Like you said, it's not the lone person, but they're the mm. underdogs. I oh, mean, because they're, they're, they're teenagers going. It's against their kids. If you pile them all together, right. they'd be like an right. adult, one adult. Yeah. So yeah. teenagers going against like professional criminals, uh, you know, mercenaries, you know, it's, it, you wouldn't think they had a chance, but they do it. And yeah, I love Louis. I love Louis Gossett Jr. And everything I think I've ever seen him. In. And, but and they, he's, he's great here. They do so well by him too, because he's not in the school, but he is in, so he's in, in enough of the film where you never really miss him. So they, they find ways to kind of get his character back into the, into the screen, you know, onto the screen. And it's, it's a really good movie. And it's one that a lot of people really don't talk about very much. You know, it's not like it was like this huge blockbuster film or anything, but uh, I think it's got, when, like when I read it, I first, my head first thought of small soldiers, small soldiers. Yeah, when and, I, when yeah. I read it, I was like small soldiers. And I was like, <laughs> no, wait, that's, that's completely different. Also a kick-ass movie though. It is a good movie, yeah. but I don't think it fits Die Hard. No, no. But yeah, I always thought, like this could have like Lewis Gossett Jr. could have basically been Chappie Sinclair in this movie. Like yeah, he retired yeah, from the retired. Air Force and he, yeah. he got a job as the headmaster at a private school. I would have mm-hmm. much rather that had been Iron Eagle two than the Iron Eagle two that we actually got that we got to, yeah. to be honest with you. But uh yeah. And again, Andrew Divoff as the as the villain. I mean, that's probably his biggest yeah, oh, he's another guy who's popped up and he, he'll do little parts here and there. But this was probably his biggest role, at least in the action world. I know he was in the uh, the Wishmaster movies in the horror genre. But he was uh, awesome in those, too. Yeah, he, he definitely was. But yeah, this was a big, big time for him to be the the main villain. And he just has that. He, he just looks like a bad guy. He looks like born, a bad guy. That's one right. of those born to be bad types. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, our good friend, Ty Singh. Pick up born to be bad. Amazon.com. All right. <laughs> here's a good one ryan campbell yes one of my favorites uh one of the rare like rated r films that we had on vhs in my house so i watched it quite a bit 1994 a uh, a young sandra bullock and keanu reeves die hard on a bus it's speed oh this is a great one you know like if keanu this like cemented keanu as an action star chad i mean point break could have just been a one-off like, yeah. hey, you did pretty good. But plenty of people have had that. Oh, yeah, he was in an action movie. But this kind of, this is like, okay, this guy could do it. Keanu yeah. could be an action star. Yeah, I think his early choices uh, in his film career to kind of do other types of films, put that into question, right? You put the, the, like, is he an action guy? Like, it really put that into question because the 80s and the early 90s was, that was the time for action movies. Like, that was kind of yeah. peak action cinema. And uh, the fact that he wasn't just knocking out action movie after action movie after Point Break, it really kind of put it in question. And then when he when Speed came out, uh, I think all the stars aligned for him. You know, both you, you, you've got an amazing script, you've got the most perfect diehard kind of 
format, you know, to follow, like it's diehard on a bus. Um, but they don't kind of pigeonhole themselves into that for the entirety of the film. Like they know when to, to leave and when to kind of push the element. So, yeah, I think as far as great heroes, great villains, great script, like the score of the film is awesome. Like it might be the best movie on this list. Yeah. I think I'd put it as my own number one. Like you said, Dennis Hopper, it just is giving it his all in this, that maniacal villain. Um, there's a little bit more, there's a mystery to it, yeah. uh, trying to, you know, figure out his motive. And, and as the police, I was trying to figure things out while the, while the bus thing's going on, you got Jeff Daniels kind of running that whole thing. Um, yeah. And again, a young Sandra Bullock, but like just the, and I, and we, I'd mentioned one of my criteria was the, the short time frame of events. This is probably one of the shortest ones that we get. I mean, it starts like in the early morning and it, the, the, the movie's over by like 1030, like the yeah. whole the whole event takes place in like two or three hours. Uh, but it's just, you know, chock, chock full of action. You got buses flying over it, freeways. Um, I just, I just really love this movie. Yeah. And like you said, it's Sandra Bullock. This pretty much made her career. This was yeah. her career. She, she came back for the sequel. Nobody else did, but she did. Right. Uh, Dennis Hopper. I think, you know, we talk about the great villains and how important they are to an action movie. The great villains believe they're justified in what they're doing. And he yeah. certainly of, of all the villains, maybe on this list, he, you know, it's not just greed. It's like, he has a grudge and he's trying to make things right. Uh, right. So he feels a hundred percent justified in what he is doing here and putting people's lives in danger so he can get what he wants. And I think what's great about his arc as a character is uh, we talk about that fly in the ointment um, that uh, Keanu's character is so annoying and ruining his plans so badly that by the end of the film, all that Dennis Hopper can think about is getting the money and getting the hell out of there. Like kind of his, his initial, like you said, his initial plan, he wanted vengeance and, and he wanted to kind of, he had its vendetta against make a statement. He wanted to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, he, he's not even thinking about that. He's just trying to get his money and get the hell out of there because he's so just like, thrown off kilter by how awesome Keanu is and how well that him and Sandra Bullock have just ruined his plan. Yeah. So. He, Cause he, use, doesn't he use his retirement watch as, yes. as part mm-hmm. of the bomb? I mean, he that's, does. that's awesome. That, I mean, that li- again, the details, that little detail is like, this guy's a freaking mad genius. And that's exactly <laughs> what you want your action villain to be. All right, guys, how about this one? Get off my plane. <laughs> became very famous after this movie hit theaters July 25, 1997, Air Force One, Harrison Ford. I mean, this guy is one of the biggest box office uh, stars of them all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this this one just added to it. He gets in on the diehard action, Ryan Campbell. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was somewhat of a a weird role for him. Not that he doesn't do action like that, but this was more of like a grizzled action star where he usually typically is played kind of like the, the loafy, you know, not, not our stereotypical action guy, but trying to play the dual roles of the president and action star is a, is a tough, t- tough line to toe. Uh, but he, that, you know, in true Harrison Ford fashion, he pulls it off in the movie and, and gets uh, one of the most memorable lines in action movie uh, history. Right. Chad you know, Cruz. He's he's got to be one of the most respected movie politicians of all time. I mean, everything he does in the movie, you're like rooting for him and cheering for him, and uh, he he takes that you know 
distrustful aura of politics and he just makes it so cool. And like, uh, like you said, he's got so many great one-liners in it and it's just so many lines in general. Um, and, and what do we have? Once again, we have an all-time great villain in Gary Oldman uh, up against him, you know, with a bunch of nameless terrorists that are definitely going to die. So if you put your lone hero in a situation to where he's got to fight back and you have an amazing villain, you know, whether it's Alan Rickman or, or John Lithgow or Gary Oldman, like you've already set them up for success. And I think this movie just kind of, it kind of uh, over achieves in a way. So yeah. Classic Harrison Ford, one of his best. Also a sign of an old times where we all just generally kind of rooted for the president. It was, it was a different time back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was just about to say, I mean, if it was down to Harrison Ford and Aaron Eckhart running for president, Harrison Ford would get my vote hands down. I think well, that would, I think he would get most people's votes. Yeah. As long as he doesn't fly. We could, we could do it. We need to think about that when election season rolls around and do our, our uh, election of like top action movie presidents. I feel like we may, yeah, may, cause yeah. Cause Kurt Russell, uh, yeah. he, he wasn't an executive decision. Was he the president in that one, Chad? Or my miss? Uh, no, I don't think he was a president. I think he was okay. one of the. Uh, okay, he was one of the one of the badasses in it. Okay, all right. Well, but there you go. real life, uh, you know, we've had Clint Eastwood as a politician. You know, potentially in the next eight years or so, we'll have Matthew McConaughey. So there's guys out there who are who are trying to throw their hat into the. Your ring. favorite, The Rock, is you know that's always a rumor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's out there. Yeah. We'll see Arnold, if it's early, early rock career or late rock career. Arnold was the governor. Jesse Ventura. Jesse yeah. Ventura was the governor. Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's happened before. People, it could happen. I mean, I mean, we had Kane is the mayor. Kane is the mayor of Knox County. Oh yeah, there we go. I forgot about there you him. go. There you go. The big red machine. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do a couple rapid fire ones because I, I know like we we've got a. We, we, we can't have a Bulletproof podcast, special one like this, especially mm-hmm. with the poster that's behind my beloved colleague, Chad Cruz. Yeah. Michael Dudikoff had a little diehard scenario going on with uh, Brian sure James did. as his villain. This one from September 19th, 1995. Virtual Assassin, Cyberjack, however you know it. Yeah. Duty was the custodian. The custodian named Duty, and he's he's right here. Here's his face, right there. Yeah, beautiful um, head of hair. <laughs> wonderful head of hair. Uh, it's it's one of those movies that uh, you know it's 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 like it takes place in the not so distant future for whatever reason. I don't know to make it seem uh, unique. I think, but whether it's called Cyberjack or Virtual Assassin, I don't think either title really gives the credit that it's due because it really is a fun diehard clone of a film you know you've got duty who's a former cop working as a custodian and of course great villain brian james thrown in there who's like a absolute maniac in this movie he just kind of like plays it however he desires you know here's the script but you can read it if you want or just go be a nut job whatever you want to do so brian james is fantastic and and duty gets to kind of use those skills that you know steve james taught him on american ninja and avenging force you know, and kicks some ass as a janitor. So it's pretty sweet. Is janitor the most unassuming uh, title of any of the heroes on our list? I have to assume so, right? Yeah. I think I mean, so. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. The, Is there the a cook, homeless guy one? The cook in <laughs> under siege would have been, you know, probably, but I think, yeah. I think janitor does. 
is one step below yeah. the cook. So the cook's got knives, right? Right. has got like a mop stick. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And and even on a naval vessel, I would assume the cook has still gone through some naval training. So yeah, know, he, he can still yeah. go. I mean, right. naval training. Oh, here <laughs> we go. Here we go. And you know, uh, this might Burn. be one of. Uh, it probably is, is this Duty's best non-canon movie. Hmm. It's definitely up there. I mean, it, it is a good movie. There's some, some cool action scenes in it. It might not be his best one, but it's, it's questionable. I, it's, uh, it's up there for sure. For me. Um, I've got a list. I can't remember what it is, but uh, it doesn't, it kind of pales in comparison to the Canon films that he did. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously yeah. Canon is peak duty, right? It really was. Uh, but he does have That's a good head duty. of hair and he's like a functioning alcoholic, which I can appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about another one. This one was Die Hard at a ski resort. Thomas Ian Griffith, very timely since he'll be returning to Cobra Kai <laughs> here very soon. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he's in the uh, he's in the John McClane role again. You've got Christopher Plummer as our main villain in that one when these terrorists take over the, the ski resort. Uh, I remember, you know, and after this, I know you you and I have both covered some of the Cracker Jack sequels mm-hmm. and they're, they're nothing like a diehard oh scenario after that. No. So this one is actually worth watching. Uh, it's one I haven't seen since I probably reviewed it for the site, but a fun one. Nonetheless, another, a, another title that doesn't sell the movie very no. well. Like, like who's titling these movies? Some of these. Right. Well, yeah. Cause not... I don't, and I don't think his name was like Jack Cracker Jack or anything. So, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. It's not Cracker Jack, or it's not Cyber Jack. It's Cracker Jack, you know? Right. So it's Cyber Jack, Cracker Jack, and, uh, well. Pepper Jack, cheese. Why uh, not? I think the early uh, early 90s, that extreme sports, you know, like it was like new and exciting and like, oh, they ski down these slopes. Oh, my God. It's so wild. <laughs> and uh, you know, like skateboarder movies and shit. So, like, it's uh, – I think it, it tried to jump on that craze and – I mean, it succeeded enough that it got multiple sequels, not starring the notorious T.I.G. Right. But uh, but yeah, they were still out there. I mean, one of them starred but, Judge Reinhold. Oof. Don't remind me. <laughs> All right. And the last movie on our list, again, I don't know that either of you gentlemen have seen this one, but it's a Jeff Wincott, Patrick Kilpatrick. It's open fire. It's Die Hard <laughs> at a chemical plant. So there you go. So we got a little industrial action. That one came out. January 3rd, 1995. And I think Chad would enjoy it. Cause I believe Jeff Wincott plays a like telephone repairman. And we see him at the beginning, just working out in the hot sun, <laughs> just jeans, no shirt on. Yes. I think his father works at the chemical. He goes to visit his right. father or something. Some discount Bruce Springsteen playing in yeah, the background. Maybe. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of the uh, pile driver music video. A, yeah. a bit as well. When I you saw know, him out there. I do love a good film where, your your hero is like an everyman and you get to see him work and it's right. so unrealistic it's like uh he's like this plumber but he's all like jacked and ripped yeah. and he's just like oh yeah it was fitting it, it, pvc together and you know right. it's like just turning a wrench on a leaky faucet <laughs> yeah. and that was probably it too because i know he had said that in another movie maybe it may be a mission to just like Listen, I've worked hard for this body. Kind of the Steve James theory. I've worked hard yeah. for this body. I don't care if it's in the script or not. This shirt's coming off at some point. Right. And, and I think yeah. he did it. So. Right. 
All right, well, there you have it. 12 of our favorite Die Hard clones. All right, well, there it was. The second annual Geekscape holiday live streamtacular and our discussion about Die Hard clones. Was there any that we missed, Chad? Do you think? Did we, did we forget any? Uh, probably. Probably. And if we did, and you want to call us out on it, <laughs> hit us up on social media at Bulletproof Pod and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. But right now, guys, you know, one of the things I enjoy doing as part of my job, one of my many job descriptions here at Bulletproof Action is I, I love to check the stats. The stats, the You're stats, stats the stats, the stats. I want to know. And then you love to text us about the stats. How many, you better believe it. How many people came? How many people, what did, how many things did they view? All that. And, but the big one, the one that's always amusing and entertaining are the search words, the keywords that people are putting in Google and somehow finding their way to Bulletproof Action. You, you don't know what you're going to get. Most recently, Chad, remember it was Michael Dudikoff bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. It, no, right? it doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't. But somehow it huh. still got them to Bulletproof Action. So yeah, maybe they saw that poster from Platoon yeah. Leader where he's got like like 22-inch yeah. biceps. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of. So yeah, yeah, there you go. That could be it. Give us your tired. Give us your hungry. Give us your action-starved. Your Bulletproof Action. We'll take them all. We will take them all. And we're going to take... Uh, a little behind the scenes peek here. We're going to share that with everybody because we get a lot of questions on in those keywords. So hopefully these people typed this, these questions in and got the answer that they were looking for on bulletproofaction.com. But if not, I think we should give them the answers here, Chad, on this show. Yeah. I mean, we'll do our best. I, I can't always uh, guarantee that, that I have the answers that these folks are looking for because some of these questions, you know, you've sent me questions in the past that, that, uh, that just, uh, they demand answers, but there are other ones that have no, uh, I don't know how a human could even, you know, question these things or, or ask these questions because they're so random and I don't get it. Well, here's a, here's, so we'll, we'll do our best. Here's a softball one to get you started, Chad. You ready? Okay, here we go. How attractive? Uh, how attractive is Judy Aronson? Oh, she's gorgeous. There you go. See, is that, that it? That, that, is that, is that, that was, that a, softball. was a softball. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's, I, do I need? Do I need to go more? Please, in depth please do. Or? Please do. Well, she. Uh, are we talking like Judy Aronson, nineteen eighty-six? Or I mean, she's still she's still a lovely lady to this day. She still is. Yeah, she's still a stone cold fox. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm biased in this situation because she was my first on screen. I wasn't on screen, but she was on screen. My first on screen love, and uh, she was starred in one of my one of my favorite movies of all time, American Ninja. And uh, you know, she's just got the the beauty and the grace, um, and she she had that something that special something that when you're eight years old watching a ninja movie. Uh, you find it in the most unexpected places, brain. She was definitely like that girl in school that you could have a crush on <laughs> and you would think about her every day you were at school. Yeah. And then she did a nude scene and it blew my mind. <laughs> Friday the 13th. She was, uh, she was, she was hot, but approachable. It seemed like. Yes. Weird science too. She was gorgeous. Weird in science. As well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so gorgeous is the answer. You, whoever you were yes. that put in, how attractive is Judy Aronson in Google and found bulletproofaction.com? 
Thank you. Here's one. I, I, I could take this one. Why did they change the actor for Iron Eagle 2? This is, uh, you know, that's a good question. But the better question is, why were they so short-sighted to kill off Doug Masters? That was completely unnecessary. If he could not be a part of the movie, the end of the first one, he was going into the Air Force Academy. That could explain why he wasn't in doing anything. I mean, you don't just go yeah. in there and then the next day you're out. There's some time you got to put in. But uh, yeah, the the real reason he didn't do it is because he was he just had another movie role, couldn't do that. So he did a short little scene at the beginning and they kill him off. And then they try to rectify it with the awful Iron Eagle 4 uh, and they get a Jason Gedrick lookalike. I think they had something at a mall in Canada to, to determine who would be the lookalike and uh, uh, Canadians. Pulled the old Channing Tatum and G.I. Joe. Yeah. Retaliation. Yeah. That was Chad's favorite part of that movie when they killed off Channing Tatum, yeah. I think. That <laughs> was actually my favorite part, yeah. All right, well, our next, the next one, there's a series of questions, uh, and they're all basically okay. the same. Let me, I'll go through them. And uh, we're going to start. And this one is without a doubt. Rapid fire. Without a doubt, the thing that gets the most business. Is it true Jean-Claude Van Damme are twins with Alex? Van Damme <laughs> and Alex, are they twins? Yeah. Is there any relationship between Alex and Jean-Claude Van Damme? Between Alex and Chad, who is the real Van Damme? Is it true there is Alex in Van Damme? I've got a question for you people. What the fuck is wrong with you? Has there never been a movie prior to Double Impact or TV show where this, an actor played two different roles and they were on screen together at the same time? I'm going to tell you, yes, there was. It's called freaking Hollywood magic, you jackasses. There is no Alex. It's all Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is Chad and Alex. He is Chad and Alex Wagner. Double impact. And he and he's done it like four times in different yeah, movies. Yeah, exactly. Why don't they get confused about Time Cop or Replicant? Why is it yeah. only double impact? That, even if they were that even if they were that dumb, it seems like a simple IMDB search could have cleared all that up. No shit. There's fucking credits at the end of the book. Movie. <laughs> let's let's let, uh, brain calm down, please. Jesus please. Christ. These are our these are our readers you're talking about here. These are fucking morons. You <laughs> you and I know they're imbeciles, but we don't need to to just let not all, all of them. our new not all of them are but obviously <laughs> if you're if you're listening if you're listening to this podcast you're not typing in that question yeah that's true they they yeah, yeah. If they can't figure that out uh, uh, yeah our listeners are the smart ones exactly. right that's right correct uh, correct correct yeah. so one more time in double impact jean-claude van damme plays chad wagner and alex wagner they use green screen. They use doubles when it's you don't see the, their face. It's a stand-in. Come on now. Enough of this. Ugh. All right. All right. Moving Happy holidays, on. everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays to anyone who already knew that. Thank you. If you didn't know that, go to hell. All right. Now, Chad Cruz, we've got some apocalypto questions. A very, another okay, very right. popular topic. 
here. That's a fun uh, one. The Childbirth in Apocalypto. Was it real? What a what a cheerful movie. <laughs> yeah. The Childbirth. The, 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 was, was she really giving birth in that yeah, movie? Yeah, that's what they want to know. Uh, I don't think that that was a real childbirth. No. Okay. How about? Um, but people do give birth in real life just so these <laughs> These readers can, yeah, they, it does happen. Here, here's, we're going to go to the opposite. That's not what, that's not what Keith says. Keith says <laughs> that they're all fake. The Matrix. So we're going to go the opposite way now, Jed. The people who died in the movie Apocalypto, are they okay. really dead? <laughs> Did they really oh kill God. people on camera? Um, I don't think that movie had any actual deaths. You know, if Alec Baldwin had been in it, I would say, <laughs> yes, there might have been some deaths, but... This film, I don't believe, had any deaths uh, in real life, no. Well, I'm doing a Google search just to try to find info on the people think this birth scene. Did it go real. to Bulletproof and Action? I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, it pre- I'm pretty sure it gave my phone cancer, so I probably should stop. <laughs> All right, we've got two more killing questions. Uh, did okay. they kill a real jaguar or a panther? Okay. And which, which Could you tell us which of the big cats it was in the movie? Or was it uh, both? I believe. Uh, isn't a jaguar and a panther like the same cat? <laughs> Just different. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, it was. They did not kill a real jaguar or panther. <laughs> I mean, one has spots but, and one doesn't. Right. One's like black, right? And then, uh, but I or do know. <laughs> I will say this, right? Uh, I do remember recall them saying that the the scene where the the uh, the cat the jaguar is chasing the character. He is legitimately running for his life because uh, Mel Gibson said, you can't train a Jaguar. Right. So they just had him like on a tether, like, you know, like that dog leash that extends only so far. So, yeah, the guy was really probably, you know, a quarter inch from shit in his pants. Um, So he's legitimately running for his life. Yes. But no, they did not kill a real Jaguar or Panther. I know that the the original Equalizer drove a Jag, but I, that's the only thing I know about Jaguars. All right. Also, Kino, watch the credits, and if it says that no animals were harmed in the making of this picture, that means that they did not kill Thank you. Animals, the actual movie. Reading is your friend, people. All right. Yes. Uh, here's, a, here's an interesting one that could really have one of two answers. Did okay. Arthur Bishop die in The Mechanic? Well, it depends on which mechanic you're talking about, because if it's the original mechanic, where Charles Bronson played Arthur Bishop. Yes, he dies. But in one of my favorite Bronson kills of them all, he still manages to kill from beyond the grave, which is an amazing feat. But when it's Charles Bronson, it doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah, true Bronson stuff. But in the Jason Statham one, no, he doesn't die because there's a freaking sequel. Right. So that should have told you what you needed to know there, people. All right, here's another one for you, Chad, because this is one of your movies. Is the movie Tears of the Sun based on any real events? Uh, Supposedly, yes. Supposedly, it was based on uh, the Canadian Joint Task Force 2, which is like one of their special forces groups. And they had done some sort of mission in the country of Colombia. And if you remember the, the film Executive Decision... Uh, the writer, one of the guys who was credited as a writer on Tears of the Sun was involved in executive decision. And he was telling him a story about his time with the Canadian special forces. And everyone was like, holy shit, that is a wild story. And the story ended up turning into uh, a script that became 
the film Tears of the Sun. Now, it wasn't originally titled Tears of the Sun, but Bruce Willis loved that title and took it. So it was sort of kind of based on true events, but not in Africa. All right. Inspired. Inspired by something halfway across the planet. All right. Here's another one. What happened to the Blue Thunder helicopter? Now, I did a little research on this one because the Blue Thunder was a, it was a movie and then they, it became a short lived TV series. So obviously they used the same helicopter from the movie for the TV show. But when that all got canceled, Private Collector, I believe. I was going to say some rich millionaire. Private Collector, <laughs> I think either in New Mexico, Arizona, somewhere out southwest type area, uh, now owns the Blue Thunder helicopter. So. Oh. All right. Well, my question, how much Coke has been snorted inside that helicopter? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, you'd have to contact that private owner, Ryan. Maybe Google to Mexico. Google that. <laughs> All right. Chad Cruz is kiss of the dragon. A real technique. Is, is that a technique in the movie? I, I've never seen that film. If you can believe it. Yeah. The, it's a great film. It's, it's one of Jet Li's, uh, better non-Chinese films, I would say. Um, But it, uh, yeah, it's a technique that he uses using uh, with needles from acupuncture. He has a little like kind of wrist gauntlet with these needles in it. And uh, at the end of the film, he uses these needles to kind of place them into the neck of the villain. And it like, I don't know, fills his brain up with blood or some shit. It, it kills him slowly and extremely painfully. Um, and I, I think anything that I've read that had to do with Kiss of the Dragon when it came to this technique is it's not a real acupuncture technique, but it's one of those legends, right? It's like the dim mock mm-hmm. or the five point palm pressure, heart exploding, whatever. It's one of those techniques that's like, oh, you know, there's like this, uh, this uh, legend about people who could do this or, you know, they use their chi to explode a man's dick or something, but I don't think it's actually oh, so a or real make them thing. Shit themselves or something. <laughs> the brown note. It's the brown note. <laughs> All right. And on that note, let's move on to our next Kung question. Fu brown note. Wait, Kung Fu brown note. Uh, trademark that as a movie idea. <laughs> Is that also going to be in the bulletproof uh, action films? Liz? It should be. Yeah. I guess stop giving out synopsis on, on the podcasts. <laughs> All right, we've got two Jean-Claude Van Damme questions coming up. Is Jean-Claude Van Damme a Freemason? <laughs> Who are you asking? Whoever wants to answer that one. <laughs> I'm going to uh I'm going to guess no, but I have no idea. <laughs> Ryan Campbell, you have any thoughts on uh Van Damme being a Freemason? I'll tell you what, I don't know. I, I, I got to be careful what I say. You know, there might be some vehicles parked outside yep. stalking me right now. You know, did a little research here on the internet on the Freemasons, get, get flagged, and before you know it, I don't know, I find up, I'm buried under some hall down, some bingo hall downtown or something. Yeah, man. What What degree do you think he is, if you had to guess? The highest degree possible. Free. Isn't that what they measure him in degrees? I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you've already said too much, Chad. I've said too much. All right. Well, here's an easier one that probably won't get a, get anybody in any trouble. Has Van Damme ever had a ponytail? <laughs> He's had a sweet mullet. Yeah. I bet he um, did at some point. I know in the film Cyborg, he did at one point. All right. 
So in his back in in the the, uh, the the flashback scenes, he had a ponytail. There you go. Boom! These are the experts. Boom! Finally answered a question. Yeah. That many hairstyles of Jean Claude Van Damme post you did so many moons ago finally paid off. <laughs> I know. Click on that. Like I never know. You know, you just put out content and you just have hope that it it sticks at some point. All right. And the last question, another one for you, Chad, uh, this one, it was a very hot topic this past year. When did William Smith compete in arm wrestling? Okay. So there are questions about the legitimacy of his, his championship reigns, I guess. Uh, I, I know that he was a an arm wrestling champion while he was in the Air Force, and I believe he he joined the Air Force in 1951, served during the Cold War. So I, I don't have the exact year that he won the 200-pound arm wrestling championship of the world, but I do know that it was while he was in the Air Force, so at some point in the 1950s. All right. 1950s, there you go. And again, that was our final question. But now I want to turn things to uh, maybe we should put some after dark music on right now uh, because oh, uh, oh, the neon lights are flickering. In addition to asking questions to get get to Bulletproof, there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting, perhaps uh, perverted in some cases, search terms that managed to get it. So I don't know if it says something about our readers or about the people writing on the site that uh, you type something like that in and it gets you to bulletproofaction.com. But let's, let's start off at the top of the ass list. Jennifer Lopez ass picks in movie Anaconda. Yes. I'm hoping that I wrote most of these posts <laughs> that received these search, these searches. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a great, I mean, great choice. Whoever, whoever was that searched that because, uh, J-Lo is known for it. That was her thing. And, and, and as far as all the films that she had, where she was kind of, uh, you know, shaking that thing, that was probably one of the ones where she had the least amount of, uh, exposure. Yeah. And that was, that was before she got all classy too. She was still Jenny from the block back then. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, well, let's continue. Tanya Roberts. I want to mention this. Tanya Roberts passed away of January 4th, 2021. You sick fucks. Tanya Roberts' yeah. ass. You yeah. wanted to see a dead woman's ass? Another good <laughs> choice. Another excellent choice. Uh, Beastmaster, a wonderful role for her. Oh, yeah, she had uh, Sheena. Sheena. Dude, she was she was a smoke show, man. She was What is what is wrong with someone's ass living forever and you know, immortality? She was proud of it, I'm sure of it. Yeah, come on. All right, Ryan Campbell, how about this one? The nudity in death race. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some good stuff in there. Some some uh post apocalyptic Mad Max style nudity. I get you there. <laughs> All right. Here's a good one. Alana Shaw, hot. Yes, I agree. Speaking of double impact. Oh, yeah. She and, showed uh, her double impacts in that one. How many Jean Claude's can you fit into one person? That, uh, yeah, that, that scene will live on forever in, in, in my mind. Also, uh, see, long after she's dead. <laughs> cyborg cop as well. She, uh, old David Bradley gets her clothes off too. Smart man. Here's a nice one. Just talked about her not too long ago on the site. Ashley Scott ass. 
walking tall. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, uh, there's one scene specifically that I remember in that one where she's behind the, uh, the mirror, right? The two way mirror. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Uh, I would suggest continue the Google searching of that one. Yeah. You'll find something better than words. I'll tell you that. Um, here's a good here. Just to equal opportunity here. Frank Zagarino nude, no mercy. Some yeah, that's probably one that somebody wants to know about Zags. Oh yeah. You know, I covered oh, yeah. some Zags. I think he was, I think he was thrown in a, it's one of those, uh, like thrown in the hole and he was naked, chained up. I'll tell you what, de- death warrant style. The stats, the stats definitely don't tell us that there's a, uh, too many ladies coming to bullet. No. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's the one, stands the reason. maybe it's the one lady or maybe we just have, yeah, that's fine. You're all welcome. Just don't Everyone, ask yeah. stupid fucking d- double impact questions and you're welcome. All right. We got uh, uh, one of my favorites coming up. Trish Stratus ass and WWE Trish Stratus bikini. Okay. There's plenty of those. I may have, I may have been the one to type that in. I don't know. <laughs> I may have been. Yeah. yeah. Did these go back to like a uh, 19? These are all from 2021. These, these are oh, all wow. 2021 searches. That's why I said it was the, the Tanya Roberts died and you're like, well, yeah, she had a nice ass on her. Let me, I remember that always. Um, Here's one that I think may be a Chad Cruz review. Uh, the 25th Reich robot Nazi rape scene. <laughs> <laughs> is that Iron Sky? Oh my God. The 25th Reich is one of the worst movies I've probably ever reviewed. And I don't even remember that scene. So ugh. it's pretty, it's pretty bad when your film has something that can be described that way and you don't remember it. Yeah. Here's another one. There's a theme to a lot of these. Erica Alaniac ass. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask people. Yeah. I just read. That just read my mind, actually. <laughs> All right. Here's one. Crank two. Fake boobs. Have either of you men ever uh, cranked it to fake boobs? To fake, <laughs> now, how we describe fake boobs? Guilty. Are we just saying? <laughs> I don't know. Are we, are we talking like paper mache? Or are we just talking some? I, 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 I'm, sure I'm assuming they boobs. mean, uh, yeah, enhanced boobs. By, by yeah, by, I'll get. I'm going to get out ahead of this and just claim responsibility okay. for it. It was me. It was me. Crank brain. to fake boobs. Okay, this one was interesting because I don't know how this is on this website. I don't. I don't recall ever having a, a review of this with this woman in it. Lindsay Wagner asked, you know who Lindsay Wagner is? Chad Cruz, Ryan Campbell. I don't either of you. Sounds familiar. She's the bionic woman. Okay. Yeah. So they were looking for her bionic buns. I, I, I don't, okay. but I don't remember ever covering. We can rebuild her. I don't remember a Lindsay Wagner movie ever being on bulletproof action. Well, as long as they made it to the site, that's all I care so, about. When you have this much content, it's, you're bound to. That's to, true. You know, pull in some of these people. Could have been a random. And we got so many. We got contributors all over just yeah. posting shit. Who knows? Lord knows what who's in these movies. Matt Spector finds. Um, <laughs> here's one. I know exactly what movie this comes from. Unfortunately, because I watched it. Jamie Presley, 
Mario Lopez sex. That was the yes. very shitty, the journey absolution. I believe Richard Grieco is also in that film. Uh, it was bad. It was a very bad movie. It was a, definitely a what not to watch classic. Do you think Jamie Presley sees like how Margot Robbie has had like a really successful dramatic career and goes like, dang, that could have been me. Uh, yeah. She was about 20 years too early. I'd say. Yep. yep. Now I don't know if Jamie Presley and Mario Lopez actually had sex, but I've heard Kevin Nash did uh, have sex with her, but uh, that's just a rumor and innuendo. Hmm. Uh, speaking of wrestling topic, here's one that's a very specific, this, this gentleman or woman was looking for something very, very specific. Woman wrestler struggles in crushing head scissors. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I, that yeah, that is specific. Yeah. It's a heck of a kink there. So definitely wanted to see that. I don't know where that would have come in again. It's, uh... I, I will say that, that the person who searched for that term yeah. uh, is living in the right era. Because 30 years ago, you would have never found that whatever it is you're looking for, you're not going to find that. But now with the, you know, the, the magic and the awfulness of the internet, you'll be able to find 50 pages of whatever that weird shit is that she wrote. On and there. we may have been on page 49. And they still, yes, they, we're probably on there still somewhere. All right. Tank girl nudity. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen all of Tank Girl, and I don't. I've seen it. Was I there nudity in there? Uh, not to my knowledge. No. Well, it was Lori Petty. Right. So yeah, I don't. I don't. Even when she was cute, I don't remember a whole lot of people, uh, you know, waving the flag, beating the door down for her to. <laughs> well, it's to free produce. to watch on Pluto TV, so you guys can check it out for yourself. There you go. <laughs> Back to our theme: Courtney Cox ass. What would that have been? Okay. <laughs> Probably not Masters of the Universe would be my guess. You know what? I, I can tell you 100% what that was from. That was from 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Ah. And she did indeed show her uh, her caboose in that <laughs> one. Uh, whether yeah. it was a, a you know a butt double uh, or not, I don't, I don't know. But yeah. All right. Here's I That might have been a me one. That might have been a me post. <laughs> uh, we're going back to Kiss of the Dragon, Chad. Okay. Why Jet Li, Kiss of the Dragon, where woman removes her clothes. Does that happen in Kiss of the Dragon? Yes, there is a scene where I believe. Uh, oh hell, what's the girl's name in that? Uh, Jane Doe in that film uh, just begins to. She wanted to use the restroom, and they wouldn't let her because she was a prostitute. So she just starts taking her panties off to pee on the floor. Oh. So I'm assuming that's the scene. What an oddly like proper way to describe, like, ah, un- takes off her clothes. Not like, <laughs> I shall remove my undergarments to yeah, urinate yeah. on your floor. Here's another very specific one, and uh, I've come across this on IMDb. Uh, tied up girl. So many times, so many times, if you go to like Al Capoco Heat's IMDb page, the pictures for it are all the times where the women are like tied up and gagged. And it's very disturbing. Like somebody's obviously taking the time to watch these shows and screenshot all these things and 
and upload them to IMDb. Yeah, what a hero! I agree. There, there's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's certainly uh, must be a market for that. Uh, seeing women, uh, and I guess it kind of like bondage, or I, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely a market for that brain. And this must be like, an, uh, is that a, you gave me an idea um, for my next few posts? <laughs> Bulletproof action, dark web. Is that what that one's on? <laughs> uh, so yeah, tied up girl. Um, we're back to our theme. Adrian Palicki ass, Lady J. Yep. Lady J, she's a, she's a little little cutie too. And John too. Wick, she was in John Wick as well, the first one. Yep, she had a good fight scene in that mm-hmm. one. Here, here's a. These are definitely some Chad. This, I definitely know this. Riddick, sexy women, woman. Yeah. Did you have power, yeah. grace, and some sexy behinds? Isn't that the title of your? That's a good one. Uh, I should go back and repost that one a few times. And I, I, I'm a pretty sure I included Judy Dench in that. So you're was she the power? All the was she the power? Or was uh, she the she grace? Was probably all, was she, the grace? she was most likely the yeah. grace. but Probably the grace, yeah. Uh, but, she, I mean, Dame Judy Dench, come on. She was – look look at a, look up a picture of her when she was like 30. Okay. She's a very attractive woman. All right. Uh, also with Riddick, we've got nude sex scene in Riddick. Does that happen? Uh, I believe Katie Sackoff has got a. What, what did you say you did? Sackoff? What? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, Battlestar Galactica's Katie Sackoff, I believe, had a. She's had also just Bo-Katan. like a. She had one of the yeah Bo-Katan as well, and in, in the uh, Mandalorian series, she I believe they did the old uh, people who've been begging for her to do something like this for so many years, and it's ten years too late, but she's still. Re- removed her shirt on on you know on tv all right so that's probably what that was how about this one christy chung nipple (laughs) just the nipple (laughs) just the nipple i'm not sure on that one all right i'm sure about this one william sadler nudity we talked to uh, old ty about this (laughs) yeah That, that old william sadler you worked out the entire Die Hard 2, and that was the last scene they did. So he was at tip-top, naked Tai Chi shape for no apparent... That's a classic. No apparent reason that scene is in, in Die Hard 2. But what a, it, this may be of, my new like holiday traditional favorite is the end of the year going over these search terms. We got to do this every year. It's a, it's a weird thing because uh, some of them I can like I can understand why somebody would search for these. And others, I'm I'm just dumbfounded. I just imagine someone in a dark basement sitting in front of a computer typing these. Yeah, that's that's brain. That's brain. My basement's well lit. Thank you very much. <laughs> Two more to go. Skyscraper, 1996. Boobs. Yes. Important. <laughs> that's really big boobs from 1996. I don't think you have to tie, add boobs into that search term. I think if you just put skyscraper in 1996, you get what you get. Yeah, you automatically yeah. get old Anna Nicole Smith's boobs. Yeah. All right. And this last one, you, you, you said it. Sometimes you just wonder what's going on. Uh, Steven Seagal sex scenes. <laughs> okay. Did- and he's one of those guys who didn't have many. Right, I was gonna. I don't ever recall. Uh, hard, he's not a Van Dam. He, he was like hard to kill, uh, but that was with his wife right. at the time. Yeah. So yeah, he's one of those guys who, you know, he's not going to romance a woman in a movie. Uh, 
if it happens, I think it's going to happen. But but he he certainly never delves into the realm of uh, romance or romantic comedies. No, no, he does not. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, some of the more interesting search terms, some of the more interesting questions that have led people to bulletproofaction.com. And, you know, we'll wrap up here now, Chad, and definitely just want to thank everyone for listening as always, but also wish everybody happy holidays. I mean, it's a, it's the most wonderful time of the year, Chad. It really is. And and it's the perfect time to kind of add, add those items to your list. You know, those things that, that you want to, uh, to receive as gifts, uh, but also those things that you're looking to, to buy for other people, right? This is not just about receiving. It's also, uh, mostly about giving is what I would say. So, um, you know, the, the Bulletproof Action website is just full of uh, wonderful ideas. You read some reviews, find some movies that you've never heard of. Uh, if you've got that movie lover on your list, pick out a couple of flicks for them, buy them on Blu-ray, all that's good stuff. Uh, and also, of course, the Bulletproof, Bulletproof Podcast t-shirt. It's out there. It's amazing. And you probably should own at least two of them. Right. Multiple colors. So have yes. at it. Uh, Brian Campbell, the holidays. Yes, sir. Very special time. Uh, what, uh, what star Wars toy did you buy for yourself? Uh, that you said was really for, for Lyle. Oh, I don't know about for Lyle. Well, for Lyle, I got like a VR headset. Of course. I would definitely be getting the, uh, the star Wars games are for that. But for myself, I got a life-sized replica uh grogu that should be coming here probably like tuesday so it's a it's a life like replica life-sized i'll pretty much have a full-on baby group just or baby grogu just living here on my shelf i'll put him right next to my mandalorian helmet and uh hopefully my dog doesn't eat it i, I did see on youtube uh the that minecraft videos hit like some astronomical number and i knew that lyle was probably a 50 percent of that watch time Probably, yeah. He, I'm sure he's contributed a decent amount, and that, that's all he wants out of life is to be a YouTuber. So. How about I've been searching, I've been searching for that life-size Princess Amidala doll <laughs> for years. Well, uh, check out, check out Sideshow Collectibles. They may have oh, one. Man. Maybe just put her on a body pillow. Um, <laughs> uh, Chad, what about you? Did you get any uh, GI Joe toys that you said were for your son, Chad? But really, were for oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm loaded up pretty well. Uh, in fact, I'm still purchasing, you know, there's, there's, there's several versions of storm shadow out there. There's uh, you know, of course with the classified series, you've got the six inch uh, storm shadow coming out next year, which is on pre-order. I uh, pre-ordered uh, mine. Yep. It's, it's a great looking figure, but uh, that's the also, only way to get a figure nowadays. I know. So, but there, there are Cobra troopers out there to go along with this Cobra commander. And, um, but mostly, yeah, I've been, I've been kind of, uh, digging through boxes at the local used store and finding, you know, the 3.75 inch Joe's and, and, and pulling out some sand vipers and some alley vipers and stuff like that to add to his collection. So yeah, it's most of the fun is finding them. Right. And then, you know, the other part of the fun is watching them open them and then quickly get to destroying right. them. So yes. Walmart has like a re-release 3.75 line, uh, when I was there the other day, they only had like the GI Joe grunt and then the Cobra yes. like soldier, but that series has a bunch of, they have the Cobra vehicle though, which is pretty sweet. Right. I got, I did pick up a, his tank. I've got the uh, Cobra trooper, Cobra officer and grunt all uh, in the closet as we speak. All right. Well, hopefully 
your son doesn't listen to this podcast for a number of reasons. Yes, he, I won't allow that. <laughs> but much. mainly that one. Yeah. <laughs> also that one. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you know, love spending the holidays with my good friends, Chad Cruz, Ryan Campbell, and my good friends, the listeners of the Bulletproof Podcast. Except those fuckers who don't know about Alex and Chad Wagner. I don't want to spend any time with you people. I've got a lot of, this is my festivist moment, and I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about them. And you've heard about them on this program. This supersized edition of the Bulletproof Podcast at this point. We've been going on for quite a while. Yeah, and this is also my favorite brain. When he gets into this mode, the festivist mode is the best brain to 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 release yeah. to the people. Best of us so. brings out the best of me, or yes. best of us. I don't know. That would that would have rhymed better. That wrong. would have rhymed better. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's where you were going. All right, guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll be back in 2022. What that episode's going to be? Fuck if I know. <laughs> Chad, any any thoughts? <laughs> uh I, hey man it this is it this is the end of the year we're gonna come out with some good shit next year watch uh, your mouth for christ's sake we're just stay tuned oh. and uh as always as man. always thanks for listening to the bulletproof Con- oh no what is- thanks for listening and as always stay tuned for more of the bulletproof podcast listening to the Geekscape Network.